Hey everybody, welcome to our first ever Tighten Up Tuesday presented by Peak Sports Talk. Each Tuesday we will recap what is going on in the world of the Tennessee Titans. We are pleased to have a great guest on our first edition of Tighten Up Tuesday, Justin Graver. Justin is a staff writer and social content manager for SB Nation's Music City Miracles. He can be found on Twitter at Titans Film Room. With that being said, let's get started. Welcome to the first edition of the Peak Sports Talk um, edition of Tighten Up Tuesday. Uh, we are pleased to be joined by Justin Graver, a staff writer and social content manager for SB Nation's Music City Miracles, and we are pleased to have him on as our first guest, and he can be found on Twitter at Titans Film Room. Uh, with us just getting started, Justin, I got to ask, um, what made you become a Titans fan? Uh, that's a great question. I will say that it is pretty random. I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas. And something about uh, Eddie George, I always just really liked Eddie George. And when the Titans, uh, or when the Oilers, I guess, moved to Nashville in 97, and then became the Titans in 99, I, I wasn't really a fan until they became the Titans. And I liked Eddie George, and I really liked the Titans, and I really liked the idea of rooting for a team from their beginning of their existence. So I just started rooting for them, and they also happened to be good. I mean, that was the year they went to the Super Bowl, so. That, that, <laughs> that, that, that absolutely helps. I, uh, so I'm, I'm in Dayton, Ohio, and back then, you know, like the Browns had left. So when I was, when I was a kid, there were no Cleveland Browns, uh, and the Bengals were – the Bengals were the Browns before because they were they were so bad for such a long period of time <laughs> that you know and just when I started becoming a fan is when um, the Titans went on that run. I remember one of the first playoff games watching was against the Buffalo Bill, Bills and the Music City Miracle, and I think that kind of kickstarted it. Um, and then that Super Bowl, I, it was like that was it. You know that watching yeah. Steve McNair lead that drive. Um, you know, coming up a yard short, that was that was my first real opportunity at heartbreak <laughs> yeah. as a fan, you know. And yeah. but ever ever since then, you know, those teams that had, you know, Javon Curse and Whitecheck and Dyson, I just I just fell in love with those with those teams. And um it's definitely been a roller coaster of a ride ever since, but there's nothing that I look forward to more um than Tennessee Titan football in the fall. Um, yeah, so I am, I am a big fan of yours with the Titans film room. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's just incredible stuff that you do. Um, and Titans Twitter in general is incredible. It's it's incredibly underrated. It is. I don't, I don't think people realize, um, just how the, the depth of Titans fans on Twitter, um, what motivated you to start the Titans film room though? Uh, that's a good question. Actually, there's a couple, a couple of things. I was, I like the Titans, obviously. Um, and I had done some writing for them in college for actually for Titan sized. And I just, um, I noticed there was this guy, uh, Brickwall Blitz is his Twitter handle. His name is John okay. Ken- 
John Kinsley. He also writes for Music City Miracles now, actually. But he did a, a Mariota thread in like the summer of 2016, I think. And it was it was awesome. And uh, it was like the first time I'd really seen a thread like that on Twitter before for sports. Nowadays, they're super popular. But Oh, absolutely. Um, and there was another guy. His name was Marcus Mosher. He does uh, stuff for the Cowboys. I think he writes for uh, Bleacher Report, or he used to. Um, but he does that kind of stuff, too. But he does it just for the Cowboys. And I noticed that the Mariota thread was a huge hit on Twitter. And um, I just kind of thought, I could do this for the Titans because there's nobody that really does it for the Titans. The, the Bengals right, have... The Bengals have a guy, um, Joe Goodberry. The Vikings have a bunch of dudes. The Steelers and the Eagles have a bunch of dudes. There's lots of guys on Twitter that do this kind of stuff, but nobody was really doing it for the Titans. And I just happened to have access to the, like a screen recording software through work and <laughs> uh, yeah. started doing That's that kind awesome. of stuff. And I actually um, started it as a YouTube channel to do film-type breakdowns on YouTube. Right. Um, but, but when I started getting into Twitter, I, I wasn't really on Twitter a lot. I have like a personal Twitter account that I never use. I never log into anymore, but I wasn't even using it when I started Titans Film Room. And um, so I started getting on Twitter just to promote my YouTube channel. Right. <laughs> and I, I noticed that the Twitter account was getting so much more like just engagement um, on a daily basis and it was more fun to use it. So I almost pretty much abandoned the YouTube channel. It, it's, I still use it. For occasional stuff but uh and it still exists but i mostly just do the twitter thing it's that, really fun just to break down titan stuff and oh absolutely i i love it as a fan um i i love being able to break like just watch the film and and look at it from a perspective of i feel like there's a lot of media out there with a lot of false narratives about marcus mariota and it drives me it drives me crazy <laughs> it, it drives me crazy like I mean, he can pick apart a team from the pocket like like the Dallas game this year, right? And ESPN has the game, and there and it's it's been two it's like two years in a row on Monday Night Football where uh, the broadcasters are just talking about Marcus not being able to throw from the pocket, and right it and it's and it's just it's like every game it's like oh well if he could start to be able to throw from the pocket and it just it shows you they don't watch Titans film, and and you're providing an outlet to just break those barriers down um, for our quarterback. Um, I, I just, I can't stand Marcus Mario's slander. It drives me absolutely yeah. crazy because I feel like, I feel like there aren't enough people to, to watch Titans film. I mean, yeah, that like week one, I mean, you, you also have to take into account the guy played with like no feeling in his throwing hand all year. Yeah. And I mean, that is crazy. I mean, week one, like the first drive of the season, a teardrop down the left sideline to Taewon Taylor that he drops in the end zone that would have been a touchdown. And that was it was the first drive of the season in Miami. So um I really I really enjoy your threads um because like I said, they do break down those barriers on the Titans and allow people to see um a lot more that's going on and give them more media attention. Um as we talk about Titans Twitter though. Um, Titans today move on to the finals um, <laughs> in the Fox Sports best fan base poll. Um, I guess there's a lot of controversy going on about this right now. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't personally – I know I don't have any money, so I didn't put any money out there to buy bots for a poll or anything. Um, but this, this is big for us. Like, as a fan, as a fan base, this is big. Um, I, yeah, I agree. I think it's really cool to see how much Titans Twitter has turned out for this. And I think that the stuff with the bots and the paid whatever, I mean, there was a lot, a lot of promotion going on right during that final hour and that final 30 minutes. I personally was tweeting about it like crazy. I was yes. posting on random subreddits posted it on the Vols subreddit, just trying to get as many Tennessee-related fan bases together. The Preds uh, Twitter tweeted about it to their 600,000 followers. Will Crompton tweeted about it, tagged <laughs> yeah. all the Redskins fans and players that he used to play with and got a, a, bun- a whole other fan base involved. Kenny Vaccaro did the same thing with the Saints. So, right. And the Pats – then the Pats the Twitter, Pats the, pulpit, the Pats, uh, yeah. Twitter, against, the Windy against, City gritty, Gridiron right. Twitter, yeah, against the Bills. Like I, I think this is just completely blown out of proportion, and we, there's just a bunch of salty Bills fans yet again that, you know, they didn't win that poll. Um, yeah. It's a really interesting matchup against the Browns. Um, a couple years ago, uh, as I said, my wife, her whole family, they're Browns fans. Um, <laughs> I have. I was at the Titans-Browns game in Nashville when uh, the Titans blew the 28-3 lead. Um, that, was, that was heartbreaking. Um, I, was at the, I was at the Johnny Manziel game in uh. Cleveland, the home, the home opener a couple years ago, when, when Travis Benjamin had three touchdowns and beat the Titans. There were and... multiple holdings in that game. That oh my gosh! Yes. Negated those touchdowns. Yes. But we oh, don't need to talk about that. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember leaving, and Cleveland fans like, like it was like the greatest day of their life, and they're all chanting Johnny, Johnny, Johnny as we're leaving. Um, the, but yeah. The, so this is going to be an interesting round because Salty Bills Mafia Twitter is all going to vote for the Browns. <laughs> Oh, so oh, we're absolutely. now going against both of those fan bases. <laughs> yes, correct. The trick is going to be to engage the other thirty. Right, anti. You know? There might be some anti-Cleveland <laughs> pushback right now. Or the other twenty-nine, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. We got to get. <laughs> I don't know, Steelers, Ravens, obviously yes. those, the Bengals, but but I don't know. I'm working on another video, and I'm thinking about just including like stuff with the Browns doing stuff to other teams like trading for Odell Beckham and Browns fans like being like anti-Giants and now we get the Giants involved and all this kind of stuff to like get every fan base involved yeah and take down the Browns (laughs) oh absolutely I mean I I this is this is just big for the Titans fan base for the longest time like it feels like uh there's been like no respect for the fans they think the Titans fans don't care. I pulled up three different articles, um, and I, I just typed in NFL fan base rankings, all right? Um, multiple – every single one of them had Titans in the 30s. Yep. Every single one. Every single one had Titans fans in the 30s. And so when people ask, like, why is the big deal? Why is, is, is it promoting? I mean, for one, it, they're an eighth seed in this ranking in yep. this March Madness bracket that came out. Um, and I think – I think this is this is big, and it's, it's a, to win this as they transition to the draft being in Nashville. Um, I think I think it's just a really good promotion for the team who has three straight winning seasons. 
Um, and moving in a, in a great direction right now as we're going to transition to our next topic with uh, we're going to recap the, the free agency real quick. Um, what moves have you, do you, I mean, I love personally every move John Robinson has made. I feel like every year he does something that just, that takes this roster to another level. Um, what is your favorite move he has made so far? Um, I agree with you. I like all the moves, uh, every single one of them, especially given the contract situations he negotiates. But my favorite is uh, hands down Roger Saffold signing. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you. The- I mean, I-, I put together like a little video uh, to – to like recap what he brings to the Titans. And it's just crazy that you, that there are enough plays of him bulldozing people or holding up a wall and pass protection for three or four seconds that I could make a whole highlight video of it for an offensive lineman. It's like that. And not be boring. It's like that. Yeah. That um, in the blind side, the movie, when, when the guy just runs (laughs) the guy straight into the back of the end zone, that's kind of, that's kind of what he's doing to people. And, I love the tweet when Taylor Lewan was like, "You want to be best friend?" Like, yes, <laughs> I, I love that. Like, like, yeah, I just absolutely love that signing. Um, I think, um, I, I was a little hesitant on the Cam Wake signing when I first saw it because all I saw was three year deal and thirty seven years old. But then mm-hmm. he was incredibly productive in his role as a pass rusher last year, more productive than pretty much every pass rusher the Titans had last year almost when you look at Derek Morgan and, and Brian Arakpo. So oh yeah. I'm now I'm now very excited about that. And then a lot of there's a lot of people are commenting that Ryan Tannehill is gonna take Marcus's job. I don't I don't look at it that way. Right. Tannehill yeah, Tannehill he's Tannehill's missed more games than Marcus has due to the injury the last couple of years. Like well that's a problem. But. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh right. It is. That is a problem. But I mean I look at Ryan Tannehill, who has a similar skill set to Marcus. Um, yep. And given last year's situation, um, going into week 17, if we had to put, put Ryan Tannehill in, I would feel a lot better about that than Blaine Gabbert. Absolutely, I would. Um, Absolutely. So I think I think it's just insurance. There's nothing wrong with having insurance. Yeah, that's what it is. Like, I do think that there's a dark season – and if this was last season, just because of how bad the injuries were last season, like if this if that bug strikes again, there is a, a timeline where the Titans end up on some uh, player that we don't know right now who's not on the roster right now as the starting quarterback. Right. Uh, some rookie rookie undrafted free agent, random nobody is starting in week 16 because Mariota and Tannehill are both injured. I do right. think that that's not impossible. And so that's kind of scary. But there's also that, um, I don't know, uh, it's like a superstition, I guess, or something where when you over-prepare for something, then it doesn't, then you'd never needed it in the first place or whatever. Right. Like, we, we, the Titans have had terrible backup quarterbacks <laughs> oh ever since Mariota came to Nashville. And uh, now that we finally have a competent backup quarterback I in was, Nashville, this will be the season that Marcus right. plays 16 oh, games. Oh, absolutely. I was... <laughs> Let me put it this way. When Blaine Gabbert came to Nashville last year, I was thrilled. And it, yeah. was, because, <laughs> it was because Matt Castle was, was so bad. I, I have never turned off a Titans game. I was close to turn off that Dolphins game he started. I, w- I was close. Yeah. That was 
that was that was very that was very hard to watch. But I I really I like having Tannehill in the room. And like I said, it's insurance for Marcus. Marcus has everything in front of him this year. Like this is such a big year for him. Um with that contract that he's staring at right right in his face, you know? So mm-hmm. I um I looked I look for him to have a big year. I mean, I I would expect nothing less from him. Um is this John Robinson's best offseason to date so far? I know we have the draft ahead of us, but as we look at from start start to free like starting with free agency, is his, is this his best offseason to date? Um I don't know. 2016 was a great offseason that often gets pretty overlooked. That was the offseason the team went from 2 and 14 to 9 and 7. Right. Yes. Um or 3 and 13 to 9 and 7. So that that year he added uh DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, yes. Ben Jones, Rashard Matthews. Um Was that Conklin? I mean just those Conklin in the yep. draft. Uh, he re- yeah, so he rebuilt the offensive line. Right. Added a receiver for Mariota. Um, added uh, that was that was uh, the running back Demarco that and Derrick Henry. That was the offseason where like the foundation of the offense was built for. Sadly, only I guess the next two years. Right. But, I mean, it could have been longer if Murray's hadn't gotten so hurt towards the end oh, of his career. Oh, absolutely. Matthews hadn't quit out of nowhere and things like that. But I mean, given, given the success the offense had in 2016, I think that was probably his best off season to date. Cause, cause we saw how that play out right out. But if, you know, if the draft rolls around and he, he n- knocks out of the park, I mean, there's so many ways to do well in this draft. That oh, I yeah. just don't, Even I'm, I'm excited for I, it. So he has he has shown us the ability to do so many multiple things in the draft, whether it's trading back to rebuild the roster, or as last year showed, trading up to go get a guy that that you want. Um, I'm I'm very intrigued by this draft. Um, I, I like the depth at the edge position. I I think mm-hmm. I think they're going to have to go get at some point um, get another edge um, because. You know, Rackpo's not coming back. Derek Morgan's not coming back. Um, honor, La- honor, honor, Harold Landry. I think he's going to have a great <laughs> year. I'm looking for his bend is just so insanely good off the edge. Um, I'm looking for him to have such a, a, a another step in his second year. Um, what what you put an article out um, about the prospect meeting tracker breakdown? Uh, yeah, and who yeah. all and who all is in play? Um, uh, of those guys that the Titans have um, have reported official top 30 visits with, who is the most intriguing for you? Okay. There's five that I have confirmed as official visits, but right. I'm going to, I'm going to go out, go ahead and just assume that the other three were visits because Jim Wyatt released an article today. That's that mentioned the Titans have already used 10 of their visits. Okay. And I only have eight possible, so obviously missing two. Um, <laughs> and then, um, so I think that there are some intriguing ones, ba- mostly because of the positional group that that they are. Um, Ed Oliver is by far the best player on. The, well, I guess Brian Bur- Ed Oliver and Brian Burns would be the two best players on the list. 
and they're really the only two that that would be first round picks right and they i mean the only reason i would even say this is because of what happened last year with harold landry is if if brian burns falls to 19 i think he will be the pick yeah if ed oliver falls to 19 which i don't which i think is even less likely than brian burns falling right. to 19 then i think he'll be the pick so if i like if the titans had their own big board i would think ed oliver and brian burns i'm are probably their their top two targets right now I think I think Ed Oliver in that Dean Pease scheme, his versatility. I mean, I I would yeah. I, I would absolutely love to have to, for him to fall to nineteen. Um, Brian Burns as well. I think either one you can't go wrong um, either way um, with either one of those positions. What do you think about the tight ends from Iowa? The tight ends from Iowa are, uh, I mean, they're both super interesting prospects. TJ Hawkinson obviously is is the one that is the blocker, whereas Noah Fant is more like the the Zach Ertz type right. receiver. Although he his yeah his numbers are even better than Ertz, um, but he can block too. I mean, he's a better blocker than he gets credit for. I think, um, but for the Titans, Hawkinson would fit better. I I it's really crazy to even think about. Robinson drafting a tight end in the first round. <laughs> yeah. But I but I do think that if Hawkinson was the pick, it would be a huge benefit to the offense. I remember when uh, in twenty sixteen when the Tunsil versus Ramsey debate was going on, people used to say like <laughs> Tunsil would improve every member of the offensive line right. because he would go to left tackle and Jack or Taylor Lawan would go to right tackle. Oh yeah. Left. So everyone would get better and then Marcus <laughs> would get better because of the offensive line. <laughs> I think that yes. um, that's the kind of effect that Hawkinson could have because he would help in the run game as a blocker, help in the passing game as a receiver, yada, yada. And, but I, I don't think he's going to be there at 19 yeah. um, because, he's, because he's such a good prospect, right. such a complete prospect. Um, I think I'd be sad if this happened, but I think he'd go to Jacksonville at seven overall, and that would not surprise me even a little bit. Uh, Green Bay just um, signed like the top – two of the top edge rushers in free agency. So right. they're probably, they got both the Smiths. So they're probably not right. going to go with an edge at, That's true. In, at pick 12 anymore, which is people, a lot of people thought they would go that way. But uh, with Matt LaFleur there, I mean, TJ Hawkinson is compared to George Kittle so much. Yeah, that absolutely. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Matt LaFleur, who is a Kyle Shanahan disciple, yeah. wouldn't go for Hawkinson to get his own version of Kittle in Green Bay. So I don't even think that those tight ends are really worth looking at anymore. I, I I personally want the Titans to pick Garrett Bradbury or an offensive lineman in the first round because I think we just have that massive hole now at right guard. And yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, Although, and it's so similar to the 2016 draft when we entered it with a massive hole at right tackle. And right. Was, I remember writing an article back then that was like, we don't need to draft a right tackle in the first round because you can find right tackles later in the draft. Right tackle is not a valuable position. Oh, absolutely. I feel the same way about right guard. Um, but John Robinson showed everyone that he doesn't care about that or positional value, and he drafted his right tackle at, at eight overall and traded up for him. And I, would, I could see him doing the same thing this year. There's a lot of smoke around the defensive line. Christian Wilkins, Jeffrey Simmons are getting talked up by Jim Wyatt and Mike Keith like very often and 
you have uh, the video of him working out with, with, with Vrabel, working yeah. out with Wilkins, with Wilkins and with Oliver. Oliver. Yes. Brian Burns on a visit lately. There's a lot of smoke in that area. Last year, there was a lot of smoke around. Um, there was no smoke, I should say, around Rashawn Evans. Um, yeah, that's true. A lot of true. people were connecting those dots just because we had a need at inside linebacker. But no, no, no reported visit, no reported meeting. The only thing that was even reported was the uh, pro day where Vrabel was seen working out with Evans, but he was also working out with Deshaun Hand and everyone that was there at Alabama's pro day. So th- there was really nothing. Right. Same way this year, there's really not been anything about Garrett Bradbury um, for the Titans. And the reason that I keep bringing him up is just because he fits so perfectly the zone running scheme that they seem to be committed to, especially right. after signing Roger Saffold. And he's just a rare center prospect. They don't come around that often. The guys that can move like he can and it's, would be great for getting side to side in that scheme. And it's and it's one of the clear areas of need for for the offensive line right now. Right. Um, and obviously Ben Jones would go to right guard. Correct. The only person who's reported anything about Bradbury and the Titans is Teron Davenport. Um, he never actually said that the Titans met with Bradbury at the combine, but somebody asked him on Twitter and he replied, Bradbury met with pretty much everyone. So I'm just assuming that that means he met with the Titans. And then he wrote right. an article for ESPN today where it was briefly mentioned in like the last paragraph that Bradbury had a combine meeting with the Titans. So, but that's it, and I and that kind of scares me and makes me a little sad. But I don't think it's impossible after last year with what happened with Evans. So, speaking of right guard, how did Josh Klein get three years, fifteen point eight million dollars? <laughs> um, uh, his agent, good agent. His, his agent <laughs> deserves uh, a little bit of a raise for that because yeah. um, he was not good last year. That was he was he was not very good last year. Um, that's what the the thing with signing Roger Saffold is that it signals to me that John Robinson and obviously cutting Klein, that John Robinson knows where the problem is. Oh, absolutely. yeah, <laughs> and he's, for sure. And he's going to do something about it. Yeah. He's already signed Saffold, you know, like he, so that's why I'm, I really think that there's a good chance that they, they go that way. Um, do you think they should pick up Conklin's fifth year option? I know that's coming up. Um, no. Yeah. It's tough. I don't think so either. Dennis Kelly has been, has been Dennis Kelly play, yeah. was so good last year. Um, it's just so expensive. It's yeah. not worth it. Right. He's he's not going to make that much on his second contract. Whoever signs him, unless yeah. he moves to left tackle, which would be right. kind of crazy. So, eh, I wouldn't. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I think I would, that what I'd look elsewhere. Yeah, I could honestly see. They've been talking with some mid round guards and tackles. I could see that tackle being a different player in uh in in jet what would be conklin's fifth year you know yeah oh absolutely 2020 so we'll see is there a, <laughs> is there a receiver that you're looking at possibly in the second round that if they were the fall that you would you would be like that would be a nice fit um with with marcus and and Corey davis and humphreys now is there a receiver that you think that they would target um, yeah, I, I tend to think that they'll look a little later, maybe more towards the third, third or fourth round, just a random gut feeling I have. And okay. So, but if it was second round, okay. Hakeem Butler is who everyone loves. I'm not personally as high on Hakeem Butler. Well, I'll have lots of articles about that yeah. <laughs> closer to the draft. Um, but if he was there in the second round, he's, he's a no brainer, I think with right. his 
potential abilities. But more realistic guys, like I really like A.J. Brown out of Ole Miss. I don't know if signing Adam Humphreys uh, changes that. I also really like Debo Samuel. Both of those from guys South are Carolina. Really, yeah, from South Carolina. Both of those guys did most of their damage in the slot in college. AJ Brown did move outside at Ole Miss when DK Metcalf got hurt, um, and he actually averaged like 120 something yards a game lining up outside. Uh, so I think he could make that transition. He's not as smooth there. His his releases need to be cleaned up a little bit, and he's he's not great against press coverage. But I think he could do it. But a guy that I really like um, that is kind of a little bit of a polarizing guy is Riley Ridley. I don't think he's a second rounder, maybe a third rounder. Um, and the reason I like him is because he actually really reminds me of Rashard Matthews. Okay. Yeah. In, in the sense that he just – he's not a super great athlete, but he gets to where he's supposed to be, and he catches the ball, and he catches the ball through contact, through traffic, right. with guys around him. And he has a really great understanding of uh, how to run his routes with leverage, to use angles to his advantage, to create separation. And I really like uh, what he can do, even though he's not the greatest athlete. And I think because he didn't test super well, he might be available a bit later and he'd be a great fit yeah. for this offense because he works he works that intermediate field area so well. And that's where Mariota is his most accurate. Oh, absolutely. I um, One guy I'm not very high on, and it seems like with the combine that, everyone just jumped all over with DK Metcalf. Um, mm, I like, I like Metcalf. Do you, <laughs> do you, I, I look at his, his like short shuttle times and things like that. Um, yeah. I, I think he's a little choppy right now. I think he's, yeah, as he a, is. I think he's a little choppy as a runner. Um, physically. I mean, there's no, you can't question the, the physical talent the guy has. I mean, he's, he's yeah. huge. He's strong. He, I mean, the four, three, three was, I don't think anyone was expecting that time. I just think I, – I just look at him as a, as a really choppy runner. Um, I, I think that the reason that I'm high on him is I admit he's a super risk. And I could easily see a situation where he's, like, injured in training camp and doesn't play in the preseason. And whatever team drafted him, sitting around waiting for him right. to get healthy – and it's just like Kevin White all over again. He never gets healthy. And oh, yeah. Plays. And then it's yeah. his third year, and we're like, what the heck happened to DK Metcalf? <laughs> right. That guy. But at the same time, I also think if he doesn't get hurt or if he do- if he can stay healthy, that he could be – the four three three. I mean, with his ability to extend, there's one play um, – it was the first play from scrimmage against Alabama, and they went on to get blown out after this play. But it was like a 75-yard touchdown to Metcalf. And what's so crazy about this play is that right when the ball's getting there, it, the ball's overthrown. And I think a normal receiver would have to dive for it or maybe not even get there. Obviously, Metcalf runs a 4-3-3, so if it's a little <laughs> overthrown for him. Right. But his arms are so long and his <laughs> uh, balance. And it's just incredible the way he just, like, reaches his arms out like Michael Jordan in Space and just, Jam. And just snags the Catches football. the ball. Right. And then keeps running yeah. full speed and scores a touchdown. Right. Where I think like a normal receiver w- wouldn't even be able to get to that ball, let alone keep their balance and stay on their feet. Oh, absolutely. So it's plays like that. There's another the, the, his game-winning catch against Kentucky um, when it was fourth down at the goal line, and he goes up over Lonnie Johnson, who's going to be drafted this year. There's another catch he has in the end zone where he reaches out with one hand and like catches it on a plate, like Randy Moss did, and on that one deep ball. 
that is a super cool highlight. Uh, it's I just yeah. think that even though he doesn't run, he doesn't have a great three cone, and I and I could see a situation where he's not a super effective receiver in all areas of the field. But right. he at his at the worst case scenario, then you're looking at a Des Bryant type of guy. Okay, yeah. Now I do have concerns because Metcalf's contest, contested catch rate was actually pretty poor, um, and I I saw that as a stat but i also noted it when i was watching him right thinking like he doesn't he doesn't catch quite as many of these contested balls as you would like given his size and his ability to jump and extend um but he's like a natural hands catcher you know he doesn't he doesn't cradle the ball he doesn't bring it into his chest so he has natural ball skills and he has such natural athletic ability and his releases off the line of scrimmage are pretty darn refined for uh what will, will be a rookie Right. Um, so even though his route tree isn't very extensive, I think that just that shows the ability to develop and to learn. And that's why I kind of have high hopes for him. But I do recognize it's an insane risk. And if you aren't if you need a reliable pass catcher, I don't think he's the guy that you draft. But right. if he's on the board at 19 and he's your like fourth or fifth option behind Corey Davis, Delaney Walker. Uh, Adam Humphreys, yeah, on the other side of the backfield. That's, that's a very good point. Yeah, and the Titans need a field stretcher, and they need someone who can win down the field, which is why Hakeem Butler is also interesting, even though right. he drops more balls than I like. Um, but the fact that Metcalf can just, even if he can't do anything but run go routes and beat his man downfield every time, that is still a valuable asset for where the Titans are right now. Is it so valuable at nineteen as to overlook? A, a Garrett Bradbury or Christian Wilkins or Brian Burns if he falls, that's probably that's not for me to decide, you know. Right. But, and yeah. Probably not. But it would be really fun. <laughs> I'll tell you <laughs> oh that. yeah, absolutely. Um, I just remember that that picture that went viral of him. I mean, it yeah. was it was. It I think was, that was photoshopped, honestly. <laughs> I I think there had to be some type of Photoshop. And then the rumors yeah. that came out of like one percent body fat or something like that impossible there's, there's no, no way. way yeah it's not, even, it's, not. it's literally impossible <laughs> yeah there's, you can't do that um as we wrap things up though um we're going to do the titans all-time first round pick draft so um we're each going to select three titans and let's keep this with the tennessee titans so ever since they okay they came uh because then we can get they got those hall of fame players from back from the houston oilers yeah. so we'll keep it specific <laughs> to the titans um first round picks all time we each get three um, snake draft style, and uh, Justin, you can go first. I'll take Javon Kirsten. Yeah, that, that was the, num- the number one on my list. <laughs> 1999, too, right? Yeah, I mean, he was, yep. That's, 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 that's early the, as it gets. That's, that's early yeah. as it gets. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with um, CJ2K uh, with, okay, with, my, okay. with my first pick. Nice. All right. I will take uh, Taylor Lewan. Taylor Lewan. All right. I'm I'm, bu- I'm building the trenches. That, that's right. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get me a quarterback. I'm gonna take Marcus Mariota. Yeah. I'm gonna take. I'm All gonna right. take. I'm gonna take Marcus Mariota for my team. Yeah. You know, I should have done that because the rest of the options <laughs> at quarterback are not good. That's right. But we got a good. We got a great pass rusher. We got a great left tackle. I think that if you design the offense for him, you get an offensive coach that's not going to fight with him the whole time. It can <laughs> get the best out of him on the field and mentally. Okay. Give me my Texas Longhorn. Oh, all right. Vince Young. Vince Young. <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed watching Vince play. I, I, that, me too. There was, um, 
that drive against Arizona, you know, yeah. where he let him down. Oh my field, gosh. That was, that was one of, I could put that up there as one of my favorite moments as, as a Titans fan. Me too. That, you know, that I was, actually got, that was incredible. Yeah, I, I actually had a great chance. Um, my fraternity did like a meet and greet with Vince. I went to the university of Texas. Okay. Um, All right. When I was in school there. So I actually got to meet him and I, I talked to him about that play. Uh, when he hit Kenny Britt in the back of the end zone, I said to him, man, when you hit Kenny in the back of the end zone <laughs> against the Cardinals on fourth down to win that game, that was my greatest moment as a sports fan. And he looked at me, he smiled, and he goes, yeah, man, Kenny, that was a good team, man. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty funny. That's great. <laughs> um, so with, with my final pick, I'm going to take Mr. Monday Night, Keith Bullock. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that. He was uh, I, what he's a, just an all-time great Titan. Some other ones that I, we could have gone, I guess. Um, Albert Hainsworth was on that list um, mm-hmm. in in two thousand two, um, out of Tennessee. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think about Derek Morgan at his as his career as a whole? I would say Derek Morgan was a great Titan, but he's probably about the worst case scenario that you still hope for from a first round pick okay yeah considering he was like, picked behind jpp yeah um, and you look at the overall pass rushing difference um yeah he wasn't um like he wasn't a bust but did he live up to first round set i mean he was a starter at a near but not ever really quite pro bowl level for how many, what, 10 years? Ten, yeah, pretty much 10 years. Yeah. He, he he was injured his first couple of seasons, I guess. But when he finally got on the field, he, he played for the most part until that until his last season here. Yeah, until – yeah. um, So, you know, he was a reliable starter. He wasn't someone you were ever looking to upgrade. So right. For that reason, I think he was pretty good. But at the same time, like you said, he wasn't JPP. He wasn't right. yeah. a game wrecker. Yeah, I I definitely I definitely agree. Um, I I think you know I, he has forty four and a half um, career sacks, um, but I think I think he was extremely serviceable, um, a really good player um, who um, played his position pretty well. Considering there's a lot of changes in schemes and things like that. Yeah, um, I, I th- think the switch. To, I, I think to that, three four helped him. Yeah, I think that plays a role. Um, Who's the worst? Jake, is Jake Locker the worst on this list? Kendall Wright, Chance. Oh, I would Chance say Warmack. Chance Warmack. Yeah, Chance Warmack was bad from a positional value standpoint, but also Kendall Wright because as soon as you, as soon as they picked him, it was like, why? <laughs> right in the first round. Yes. Why? I mean, what? What heard about Chance? He's like, <laughs> what heard I'm about just gonna pick Kendall Wright in the first <laughs> yeah. round? I'm sorry, no, no one else was going to do that. right. <laughs> what, what heard about Chance Warmack was because he was the lock. You know, yeah, he was the mm-hmm. you can't. He's like this is the can't miss prospect in this draft. Chance is the is the can't miss prospect. Um, and then yep. and then he, it was a miss. I mean, I remember hearing him and Jonathan Cooper, two of the best guard yes. prospects of the last decade, <laughs> and they both busted. They both busted. Cooper broke his leg early. Is that right? Yeah, but yeah, he, but, but then yeah, he still, he did. but he but, he he never. I mean, he didn't make it to the end of his first contract in right. Arizona and uh 
chance didn't get re obviously didn't get resigned here. Oh yeah. So all right. Well, that will bring us to yeah. The, yeah. What's that? Oh no, I was just gonna add one thing that yeah. The reason I think he he's ultimately the worst one yeah. was because take it away. We were always holding out hope, like he was supposed <laughs> to be so good that like this is the year. He was just a rookie. He just had a bad O line coach. Yes. Bruce Matthews was not a good coach, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he was just bad. He just wasn't good. <laughs> I was I was always shocked how the the Munchak lines weren't yeah weren't all like and now now he's you know the offensive line coach in 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 Pittsburgh and then he, now he's heading over to Denver and their offensive lines are mm-hmm. are tremendous you know Pittsburgh yep. Pittsburgh has one of the best offensive lines last year and I was always frustrated that our offensive line just never seemed to click maybe he was too focused on on the head coach duties um I yeah. I I enjoyed Munchak as head coach um I don't yeah. I don't think he was um, completely terrible. I wish he would have made some changes to the coaching staff, and it seems like that's why they split ways. Um, mm-hmm. He was too too loyal in the too, end. Yeah, and so um, I'm I'm looking forward to Titan football this year. But Justin, I appreciate you taking time out of your day and joining us, and uh, uh, that will be the conclusion of our podcast. And thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you back here next Tuesday. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, always, man. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Titan Up Tuesdays. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Peak Sports Talk. Download our podcast and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Head to PeakSportsTalk.com for any of your additional needs that we bring to you. And see you next Tuesday for Titan Up Tuesday.